<laughs> it, my biggest fear has been um, producing an, an inferior product uh, mm-hmm. or a product that simply that wouldn't pass muster. Um, but what that's done is it's really it's shown me and taught me that first off, don't release something unless it's at least minimal, minimally viable. Um, don't release a, a crappy product. Um, and and I, if you do release one, you're going to have to deal with it in the future. And I, but, so that's all. That's what I've learned over these last few months. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always happy to help. Now, today we have another Where Are They At Now episode where, you know, it's always kind of fun. We always have the original guest on. We'll talk about what, you know, how they got to where they're at today, kind of what their journey was. And then, uh, but we never necessarily hear, you know, kind of what happened after that. So it's fun to have people back on, kind of hear how were things going? Did things go as according to plan? Did things pivot? Did they adjust? And kind of what did you learn over the last six months? And so we have uh, another great guest on that was previously on, Tom Milligan, um, that he'll be talking a little bit about, um, all of his journey. He does uh, ourdivorce.com as a reminder that uh, helps people to streamline to how to get a divorce and use it through um, their system and through software side of it. So he'll give us a little bit of a reminder as to where he was at six months ago, and then we'll hear a little bit about what uh, what's going on now. So with that, welcome back onto the podcast, Tom. Hey, thanks, Devin. It's great to be back with you. So I gave just a, a very brief kind of introduction as to what we're going to be uh, chatting about, but uh, maybe kind of as a, a quick review for the the listeners, kind of tell or remind everybody where you were at six months ago, what was going on, and then we'll talk about how it's gone since then. Well, as a quick reminder, um, I started ourdivorce.com not because I'm an attorney, which I am not. Um, I started our divorce because um, I had just, I had been divorced about 20 years ago, and uh, it was a rough divorce, cost me a lot of money and spent a lot of time doing it. Um, but, um, I went through a divorce about a year and a half ago. And when that divorce was happening, I made a vow to myself that it wasn't going to cost me so much money and it wasn't going to take so much time. So I put together a plan and thankfully my now ex-wife agreed to that plan. Um, and we were able to get our divorce paperwork ready to file within 48 hours of making that decision. It cost us nothing. And, and it's something, um, a friend of mine at the time, a divorce attorney, said, man, if you could package this up, uh, this would be quite a business. Uh, you'd help a lot of people. And so an idea was born. So the day after the divorce was final, I um, started ourdivorce.com. We started the development efforts. And when last we spoke, we'd had a couple, a couple of fits and starts. We did a launch on September 1st. We kind of had to pull the product back, um, redo a few things. Um, since then, we've added another thousand or so couples. I think at the time we were just at about twelve or thirteen hundred couples that have entered the system. We've added another thousand or so since then. We've learned a lot about marketing, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, you know, it's been an, it's been a great. I think it's been about five six months since the last time we spoke. So, looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Well, that's a, a great reminder to people. So yeah, let's dive into it because I think last we talked. 
Um, you know, it may have been, I'm trying to remember if you'd actually launched, you were just getting ready to launch. I think it was right at around the time you just launched, you'd kind of gone through a bit of, or you'd done a soft launch in September 1. And then, you know, I think since then, or, and as we chatted a bit before this episode, um, you had to pull it back and then you did, did another soft launch. So maybe give us an idea. What was the motivation? Why did you pull it back and what did you learn? And then how did the, the second kind of soft launch go? Sure. Uh, so the reason we had to do the soft, the we had to pull it back and relaunch was because we want to make sure that we have a quality product. I mean, that's the bottom line. I would rather have customers angry at me for not having, a, you know, not being able to finish the product rather than being angry at me because they did finish and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we decided to pull it back because, you know, we went into this thinking it was going to be probably a little bit easier than it has been. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that same uh, hope and dream where, you know, hope springs eternal. And and we uh, we just realized that, you know, every state is different. We knew that going into it. The laws are different. The paperwork's different. Um, we had to create, um, you know, not to get you know, overly technical, but I, I'm assuming a lot of people understand the concept of a mail merge from Excel to Word. And the concept mm-hmm. is that we gather a bunch of data in our application, and then we have to fill out the forms in each state. And there are 25,000 separate variables and fields that we potentially, not in every document, of course, but we have 25,000 variables that we have to manage. And there, there's a lot of room for error. And we had not accounted for all of that room when we did our first launch. And so we had to pull it back and just make sure that everything was perfect. Um, And I wish that I could say everything was perfect today. Um, It's more perfect. And And we fix things as we go now rather than launching with known issues. Now, one question I'll ask is, you know, pulling back a product, it's always a bit painful in the sense that you're, you, you know, it almost feels like you're admitting defeat or at least, you know, temporary defeat in the sense of, man, we launched it, we thought we had it. And then we, there are enough issues that we wanted to pull back so that we weren't quality issues. When you did that, you know, how did you approach the customers? Did you just simply say, hey, we, you know, it's not working as well as you want, or, you know, we're going to refund your money. Is it, hey, we can finish up what we already have. We'll do it manually or we'll do it by hook or crook and get it done. Or kind of how did you pull it back when you figured out that there's a lot more variables to account for? A great question. And there was a lot of debate uh, as to how to handle it. But the one thing that was never up for debate was uh, full transparency. We just mm-hmm. <clears throat> decided right up front that we would just be fully transparent, explain the situation. If we lost a few of the customers, we lost a few of the customers. But um, what uh, uh, there, there was no need to give a refund because we don't charge anything until, until the end. Um, so what we have done for the customers that have been that had to wait, um, we did give them a discount, either fifty or a hundred dollars. Um, we only charge three hundred dollars, so there's not that much of a discount that we can offer. Sure. So we gave a fifty or hundred dollar discount depending on how long they had to wait for us. Um, and it was a really, I got to tell you, I was nervous uh, mm. for you know, as one can imagine, um, to make that decision. But then when when we started offering updates, uh, daily or weekly updates, depending on what was going on at the time, um, to the to the customers and only to the customers that had already finished the process and were just waiting for us to print the paperwork. That's really the only holdup we've ever had is being able to prevent, print paperwork that would be accepted by the courts, which is the mm-hmm. ultimate goal of our divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
we, it's, I've had the opportunity to speak to several of these customers, not just emails and texts, but actual phone conversations. And one of them, uh, a few weeks ago, when we were just finishing up this state, um, I can't remember exactly which state it was, but this customer had been waiting for about a month and, you know, they were getting frustrated and you could tell. And so I picked up the phone. Mm -hmm. I called this guy. His name's Greg. We ended up talking for 30 minutes and we, we, we bonded. We had a great time. And I said, look, Greg, I'm so sorry that this has taken so long. I mean, it's hard. This is not an easy thing we're doing here. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Um, and that doesn't, it doesn't excuse, you know, anything. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just telling you that's, I'm trying to be open and upfront. And he said, look, thank you so much for calling. We're just happy to be a part of this. We're so happy that there's a service out there that, that does this. We're willing to wait. And I, it was so great. And so he's actually offered to do a video testimonial as well, um, as soon as their divorce has been signed by the judge. So he and his soon to be ex-wife, um, you'll see him on our TikTok channel soon. So no, and I think that, you know, I think that's a testament. One, that people want and need your service, but also too, a lot of times you can, you know, you can either say, oh, we're having to pull this back. It's, you know, it's, it almost feels like defeat, but you can take it as an opportunity to learn about your product, learn, you know, learn from other people as to what, it, what you could change, what you can make better. And it gives you an opportunity to improve it as opposed to just simply just feel like you have to, you know, hold off or not, you know, not do it. And it's not a, never an easy thing. And I get that there's a lot of debates going back and forth, but it sounds like out of that, you got a lot, you got one, you found out you had more or people that were wanting and there was demand, there were loyal people that were willing to wait. And then you also got some feedback. So it sounds like overall, it was a worthwhile endeavor. Now, absolutely. One of, now, one of the other kind of questions to follow up is, you know, as you're hitting all these issues, and I think that, you know, and we chatted a little bit before the podcast, you always discover it takes two or three. Now, even if you really even build in cushion to what you think your timeline is and say, okay, I think it's going to take six months. I'll say it's nine months. It usually still takes two or three times longer than the nine months or whatever that time frame it is. And also takes two or three times the money. So it, it, inevitably, I think everybody thinks, oh, I plan this down. I, you know, I'm going to be the exception. I'm always going to, I'm going to be the one that actually keeps it on budget and on time. And then everybody, oh, I, I don't know if I met an inventor that just, unless it was so drop dead simple that there was nothing to it everybody right. hits into that so as you're hitting into that and you're figuring out okay this take you know first of all you're having to pull it back you're having to hold off a bit you're having to deal with customers and letting them know what's going on and then you're also having to um figure out how to fund it how to do more time and money and how to you know extend the runway until you can get paying customers how did you balance all that where it's taking longer it's costing more and you're still not getting revenue in well so this this project, I think we mentioned this last time we were together, um, has been self-funded primarily. I funded this myself uh, through savings and uh, the sale of a home after the divorce. And also my business partner, um, Jill, has been funding, um, adding some funds as needed. Um, we, you know, we, we, we do have revenue now. Um, so it's not that we have to fund everything anymore. That's the good news. We haven't, uh, we still haven't made a profit, but we will get there here in the next month or two. Um, and uh, so, so the number of days um, that we're going to have to continue throwing money at this is are, are, are quickly coming to an end, and that's pretty mm -hmm. exciting. Um, now, as far as um, making some of those decisions, I mean, it really comes down to we we can't afford, especially at the very beginning of our business, we couldn't afford any bad reviews. Um, we certainly couldn't afford to get the word out that 
that we provide crappy product or that our documents aren't accepted by the courts. And again, like I said at the beginning, I would really rather have a bunch of angry people saying, wow, you didn't give me documents rather than your documents suck. <laughs> no, and I think that there's a, uh, there's a good point. And I think the other lesson a bit to learn in there is, you know, it makes sometimes, you know, you always hear, you know, take money and take venture capital and take, you know, this and that. And that's how you fund a company. And yet sometimes when you're self-funding it, when you hit those bumps in the road, you know, even though it hits your pocketbook, you're not having investors that are frustrated why is it taking longer why is it more expensive you know and everything else because it gives you the bandwidth to do what you need to do with the product to make sure that it is it is what you promise on and what you want to deliver and you're not under the crunch of the timeline so much that you're delivering product that you can't be proud of so i think that is one that you know sometimes even though it sounds like you know venture capital money angel and there's certainly a place for that so i'm not knocking that but it also gives the flip side of when sometimes it's better to not have taken that money so that you can do what you need to with the product yep so now so and so now kind of catching up so you you know you pulled it back you you reeled it back in you take a while you fix the problems you deal with the variables you under you know you understand you figure out what you didn't know before so that you can update it you go through all of that exercise and that experience now you guys have relaunched since then you had i think originally we talked you had 1300 you even have more than that now so Mm -hmm. maybe fill us in a bit on how's the relaunch since you've done the second soft launch fix things how's it gone it's gone well i mean clearly it's not it's not perfect I, i wish i could say it's perfect and quite frankly it never will be yeah, um, I was just going to say, there, I, I've yet to meet someone that does, has done any project, especially software, but really any project where, hey, it's done, it's perfect, it's just what it needs to be. Because even when you <laughs> just about reach that point, you have the next idea of how to improve it and make it better, and it starts all over again. Yeah, well, and and so we we went through and, and we defined MVP, the minimum viable product, um, mm-hmm. and that's what we have achieved. Um, and so we have literally hundreds of items on the software backlog in our and we're organizing into sprints now so we're doing two-week sprints you know now we're into product enhancement rather than product development so that's always a really fun place to be um and so what we've also done um uh, well let's just start at the beginning i mean the bottom line is is that this is like any sales organization which is what we are i mean let's face it um it's a funnel and it starts with number of visitors to the website. And so what we did, um, and I can't remember exactly where we were in the process when we spoke last time. I should have taken the time to listen, I apologize. But um, we started a TikTok channel way back in September and um, had a couple of viral videos completely by surprise. Um, Mm. And so we decided to continue using TikTok as our primary marketing method. Well, over time it became so um, effective um that we stopped all google and facebook ads entirely we literally pay nothing for advertising and we get about twenty thousand uh new uh, unique visitors a month to our site so what we decided is that in order to really focus on that traffic we actually started an affiliate program where we actually found several TikTok influencers and paid them a very small amount of money i think it was a nickel um, per unique visitor that they drove to their unique url and it really just drove a ton of traffic and it got us a good name. Well, what we learned quickly though, is that while 80% of our traffic was coming from those influencers, only 20% of our starts, that's what we call our, the people who enter the program, the starts, only 20% of the starts came from them. And so Jill and I, when we do our own videos, that's only 20% of the volume. 
um, mm -hmm. on our site, but it's 80% of the start. So it's truly the 80-20 rule. So what we've learned is that while Jill and I don't produce as much traffic, we are mm -hmm. far more effective. Hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, we did learn that um, uh, just this last week, we ran some numbers, 13% conversion. Um, so 13% of the people who go to, to my videos or Jill's videos um, convert and actually start the process. And I don't, I think most people would kill or die for a 13% conversion rate. Hmm. So, so you start the funnel at the top with visitors on the site, then they have to click get started and then their three step process. And so obviously people fall out of the process along the way, but what comes out the bottom is some subset of all of those people who said get started. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, um, it, 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 what we've recently done is we've actually just ended um, yesterday. We ended our affiliate program with our influencers. Um, we had to give 30 days notice per the contract. And so we did. And yesterday was the last day of that program, not because mm -hmm. we don't love them all, but, and they were driving a ton of traffic. When I say 20,000, I mean, just from Jill and me, we were getting about 80,000 um, with our affiliates mm -hmm. and, um, but they just weren't producing enough. And so our cost per uh, completion was greater than our um, greater than our actual money. So it cost us more than $299 just to get a completion. Um, mm. so we got a lot of name recognition, but this, we still got to make money. So every good so, business still needs to make money. And that, you know, as, as opposed to what you see on TV and read where they have unlimited funds and you got lots of investors and you can lose money for 99% of the businesses. If you don't make money, you're going to go out of business. So I definitely exactly. understand that. And one of the other things you just started to touch on, but I thought was interesting is, you know, as you guys are redoing the soft launch and you're, you know, getting things going again and, you know, kind of are seeing how it turns out, you found out, you know, you looked at the analytics and, and one of the things you found out was also um, that Sunday was your busiest day. So tell us a little bit first on, you know, how did you guys start to, is analytics important? How did you guys start to figure out your analytics and any other insights that you guys kind of gained as you're going along that path? Sure. So, so as we, like I said, we kind of fell into TikTok. So we didn't like do this on purpose, but we do now it's, it's all on purpose. We release two videos a day. But what we've, and we do that because we have to test when the best time of day to release is. Um, and so in order to know what time of day, we also need to know um, day of week. And so when are people the most likely and at what time on that day are they most likely to want to get a divorce, which is, it's a horrible thing to think about. And I'm in mm -hmm. such a weird position because I don't advocate for divorce. I just want to make sure divorce doesn't have to suck as bad as it has in the past. And so... Um, and so we started running, um, we, we, there are always two people involved, of course, in every divorce, and we call them an instigator and a recipient because the first person actually starts the process and then invites mm -hmm. the other person to join. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we, we count um, instigator um, account creation date and time. That's kind of how we figure everything out. Um, and what we've learned is, by the way, 67% of our instigators are women. Hmm. Um, and um, Sunday is by far our busiest day in terms of new starts. Um, roughly 45% of our starts happen on Sundays. Um, and so we focus a lot of our efforts on making sure that our videos are our are, are most, what we believe to be our best videos, um, um, go out on Saturday and Sunday to try and, you know, gather that, hmm. Um, 
you know, basically capture that weekend divorce fever for whatever reason, that's when people do. And I don't know if it's because they get angry at their spouse on a Sunday or because they're not working. Um, I, I don't know exactly why Sunday is so busy. It just is. Hmm. That's interesting. So, so now you, you know, you, you but, I, but I think it's a testament, at least, you know, you may not always know the reason behind, but, you know, for, for example, you know, if you're saying, Hey, the majority of our, you know, the, your initial contact or initial users are going to be women, then you may adjust how you're going to or change your messaging or your videos or how they interact with it or what it's like. And same thing if you're saying, hey, if Sundays are the thing, we may need to either have more customer service or staff up or otherwise adjust our message. So if people are doing it on the weekends, doing it when they have downtime, they're not doing it during the workday. It's I think it's a testament to the reason why you need the analytics behind what you do rather than just guess and you know not pay attention to it because it can have a big impact one way or the other and even with your affiliate marketing it sounds like you know all of those it, if you if you're not paying attention it's easy to miss the things that are going to make the, the business even more successful exactly yeah i think that you know when now that we know a lot of these things um we we know that um I, and this is not to toot my own horn in any way because i i don't even know why this is true Mm. Um, but what we know is that the videos that I produce and put out on TikTok um, tend to go more viral than Jill's. And I, it's, you know, I love Jill's videos more than my own. So it's not about that. Mm. I, I think it comes down to there aren't a lot of men on TikTok talking about their feelings and their divorces and stuff like that. Mm. And, and so our audience, which is primarily women, I think that they find that endearing. I don't know what the right word is, but mm. um, they, they resonate more with them, it, sure. it resonates somehow with with women. And so, um, and so we, you know, we try to do some really inspirational videos. We try to have a lot of fun with the videos. We make fun of people. We make fun of ourselves quite a bit. Mm. Um, and you know, we just try to have fun. And it's just the beautiful part of of TikTok. Now, the other crazy thing, by the way, and not that this is a commercial for TikTok, but um, <laughs> I strongly encourage any business, especially in a B2C type of a business, um, it's free. And, mm. it, and in fact, it's actually better than free because as soon as you reach a certain following, you can join the creator's fund. So I actually get paid to make videos to advertise my own business. Um, it's an insane... It, it cost me negative dollars to advertise and that, that that's like a dream. Mm. Um, so anyway, just to throw, just to throw it out there. If you're in the B2C business, TikTok is a great place to be if you want to have some fun with it. Oh, and that's, I think that's a good, good insight and good lesson learned. So well, as we start to wrap towards the end of the podcast, you know, now looking, you know, so we, we kind of had the original podcast episode that we did was looking, you know, kind of six months ago, we talked, heard about your journey. Now we've heard kind of the last six months, how things have gone, how you've pivoted, adjusted, looking again, once again, to the future, you know, if you're to take the next, you know, again, six to 12 months out, where do you see things headed? What are kind of the plans and what's, what's next for you guys? <clears throat> well, the, the biggest project we're involved with right now is that we just tripled our, our legal staff um, literally this week. Um, so we now have um, far more legal professionals involved. And so we are improving the documents, even though the documents are acceptable. Um, we're improving the legal documents so that they're you know better, they're more efficient. Um, we're trying to reuse documents across states wherever possible or portions of documents so that we don't have to manage every piece of it 
individually and we can just manage a master like for example an asset division table is something that we can reuse in every single state and so mm -hmm. we are going through all 51 jurisdictions and replacing the, the language about that with common language um, so that's the biggest thing in terms of what's happening today mm. what's happening going forward um, over the next six to 12 months what you'll see the name our divorce was not an accident um, and really what it comes down to is that anyone who's ever been divorced knows that when the judge signs your decree it's not over that's actually the beginning um, and now you have to manage your divorce there's financial implications from alimony child support then you've got visitation and parent time you've got so many things that have to be managed to maintain an amicable divorce um, that we will be building out tools that allow a divorced couple to manage their kids calendar and their alimony payments and um, mm -hmm. child support and we will allow you know we will have paperwork involved so that people can you know, file documents to change their child support or change their alimony order based on new jobs or anything like that. So we're, the plan is, or like I say, it'll, it's a, it'll be a lifetime journey, um, but mm -hmm. you'll see the first release of our platform over the next six to 12 months about how to manage an existing divorce. So getting divorce is just the beginning. Now we can manage the ongoing divorce too. No, and I, and, but I think that's interesting because, you know, it's, you know, illegal Phil, they get, we're in the same, but even I do a lot of patents, trademarks, and intellectual property. And one of the things I've noticed is, you know, a lot of times, you know, you tend to focus on just one very narrow sliver of helping somebody in that, but there's always that, you know, things that they're doing before they come into contact with you, things that they're doing after they come into contact with you, of which they both need help and they need assistance. And so as you expand the product, a lot of times you're saying, hey, let's help them not just along this very narrow slice of their journey but help them along as much of the journey as makes sense and as much as we're able to. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, I think a lot of people have that, they think that it's, hey, oh good, I'm divorced. <laughs> it's over. And it's just not. And it, there's just too much more to it. So we want to help people make that whole, their whole life cycle of their divorce go as quickly and easily as possible. Mm, no, I, th I think that definitely makes sense. So one and so now as we wrap up the podcast i always have one question you know normally during the normal episodes i have two questions i always ask and you know we talk always about that with the where are they at now episode i always try and change up the question just a bit um because you know usually once you've got into it further and you got deeper into it you find things that you know that keep you up at night that keep you worried that keep you you know that you fear so to speak or that you or make your concerns you always having to deal with and so i always or switch the question out for a bit so now i'll ask my final question for the where are you at now episode which is along your journey what's been your biggest fear and what have you learned from it the biggest fear um my it really comes down to what we've already talked about i'm sorry to be boring but it, <laughs> my biggest fear has been um producing a, an inferior product uh, mm -hmm. or a product that simply that wouldn't pass muster um but what that's done is it's really it's shown me and taught me that first off don't release something unless it's at least minimal minimally viable um don't release a, a crappy product um and and if you do release one you're going to have to deal with it in the future and i so that's all that's what i've learned over these last few months no i think that's a good lesson to learn and i think it's one where 
it is a fear that you have that, hey, I'm going to put this out in the world. It's not going to work or it's going to fail or it's not going to, you know, people aren't going to receive it. And it is one where you always have to constantly guard against it that, you know, there's two temptations. One is you work, you know, you wait a hold off so long that the the product never makes it to market because you're always fearful that it's not going to work. It's going to be a crappy product. And then you have the flip side of it where you put it, you know, you, you worried that if it, you know, you're, if you do, if you wait too long, you're going to miss a market. You're going to miss a window. You're going to not be able to fund it. You're not going to be able to keep it going. And so there's always kind of those fears of when is a product good enough. So I definitely understand that fear, and also kind of what you've learned as you've gone along as to how to deal with that fear. So very insightful. So. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you again, hear where you guys are, where you're at, and uh, hopefully things continue to be successful. Um, now, for all of you that are, and, and before I jump into that, one more reminder for people that if they forgot, they don't remember how to reach out to you, if they want to be a client, a customer, if they're, if they're going through a divorce or they're or headed in that direction, if they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out, contact you, and find out more? Well, first off, if you if you want to be my customer, I'm sorry to hear that. I really am. Um, but uh, if you do want to have an amicable divorce, go to ourdivorce.com. Um, you can read all about it. We have a great resources page where we have several contributing attorneys and other uh, legal professionals that write blog posts for us. There's a lot of great information if you even if you're just interested in the in this in the uh, in the subject matter. Hmm. Um, if you want to contact me, the best way is just uh, info at ourdivorce.com. Um, love to hear from you. Um, again, weird place to be. I don't want you to get divorced, but uh, if you are going to get divorced, I hope I can help help make it a little less painful. No, but I think that that's fair in the sense that, you know, it's kind of like most of the time, although I get to play in a different area of law where people actually are excited to see an attorney and that, you know, they have an invention, but most of the time it's like, oh, I have to go see an attorney. I don't want to see it. It's like, hey, I'm sorry <laughs> that you're going through a hard thing. Let's see how we can best help you out in a hard time. So I definitely get where that, you know, kind of the conflicting or conflict arises, but well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to come and be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have or share your story. Just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. Two more things as a listener. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player. So you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find about find out about all of our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, go to strategymeeting.com. And we're always here to help. Thanks again, Tom, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks so much, Devin.